welcome to episode 106 of the Customer Support Leaders podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. This week we have another fireside chat, this time with Josh Maxim. I would like to welcome back to the podcast this week, Josh Maxim. Josh, it's lovely to have you back for a fireside chat with me. And you haven't exactly bought a fireside, but I understand there is one in the next room. So I think we're allowing that this week. Uh, and Welcome back. <laughs> Always good to be here. Yeah, the uh, weather in Portland is just about right for a fireside uh, chat maybe later this evening. Um, Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I always love it. Yeah, cool. Lovely to have you back. So uh, as with all my fireside chats, my guest chooses the topic. What would you like to talk about? Well, there's always so many great things to talk about and think about. But, um, you know, a lot of the conversations I've been having lately have been around um, customer experience, how we measure it, and how we we get the executive leadership, C-suite leadership to to buy into real investments in it, whether that's technology, people, whatever form the resources take. Um, and, you know, if you and I know have chatted and, and some of the folks that uh, manage some of our programs are partner here. We, we have a lot of conversations around this. You know, it, it, you see very publicly a lot of executives and, and company leaders talking about how important the customer experience is Mm. Um, how they they want to support that they want to invest in it um, and they do and then so this isn't sort of saying that people purely give it lip service and walk away um, but it feels like a lot of times those investments don't go in the right area and then inevitably there's sort of a sense of well support isn't worth investing in because we don't get the return on it and um, mm. I have a lot of curiosity about where those gaps come up yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's chew that over because I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask you where do you think those gaps come up. So, uh, I, I guess for me, it seems like the, there's a big understanding piece here that's missing. I think that there is a, there is um, that that support contributing to revenue, frankly, is not that well understood anyway in the industry. Operating is something that isn't a cost center, and I think therefore that probably how that relates to sort of the customer experience as a whole. I think maybe, maybe that's quite a common piece that's missing. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the relationship between support and, you know, more broadly customer experience and revenue is, is always a tough one. And again, you see some places that I think are figuring it out and doing it well. Um, but in a lot of instances, it, it sure feels like there still is an, uh, an emphasis on we're going to measure the success, the customer experience purely by something like CSAT. And, you know, for all the talk, I think within the field of how outdated, how outmoded that is, it still is a primary indicator in more cases than it should be. It should inform some decisions. It shouldn't drive decisions, I think. And then, you know, you start looking at things like cost per contact or, you know, if you're running sort of a higher volume center or um, I think another pain point that comes out of it is, okay, we've had great customer support, great feedback, CSAT's great, um, company's growing, hits kind of a growth point, um, starting to need to scale. Um, so you have to find efficiencies in the workflow because purely adding, 
you know, X agents for every Y contacts isn't gonna is gonna work under the budget. And so what was seen as, you know, kind of a loosely connected revenue generator starts to look like a cost center, I think, in the in the executive mindset of I'm seeing what it's gonna cost, I'm seeing sort of what feels mm-hmm. like diminishing returns. And the CSAT thing tells me that I can keep adding money to this thing and not moving the needle, right? Um so I think that points to, in part, just a natural growth pain point, but also a lack of understanding about other metrics available um, or even digging into the data sets that are there. For example, are, are people looking at a NPS survey and then going back and really doing verbatim analysis, right? Combing through, trying to find the details that really open up about the customer experience and where they should invest, or is it basically just looking broadly? Did our NPS go up? Did it go down? What percentage of our you know passives um, converted to promoters, etc.? Mm, um, yeah, and, and, and I think customer effort is... score is still. Yeah, it's still embryonic, isn't it? Cust- customer yes. effort is still in very early stage oh, of great, uh... great term, embryonic. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite words. Um, startup word <laughs> use it quite a lot day to day um yeah that point you, you know you made about looking at csat or looking at mps uh and i think the or in there is interesting because any of those metrics is quite often taken in isolation isn't it and uh interestingly next week uh, i have i've already i've already recorded a panel the next week on metrics so we we deep dive on metrics quite a lot but I think one thing that I've often thought about metrics anyway is how they're often taken in isolation and mm-hmm. and as you said you can throw money at a team at a service and a single metric may very well stay static or climb you hope climb a tiny amount you see some small positive uplift but it's not proportional to the money you throw necessarily at that service and so that i think is the disconnect that you were talking about that as you as you just said that sort of increasing investment for comparative like a a perceived comparatively little return probably adds fuel to that fire of the cost center doesn't it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one factor that I think crops up, and I can think of an example uh, that I dealt with at one point in the past is, um, you know, there is a need to invest in growing the team, uh, felt like headcount was the right move, um, tool optimization wasn't going to really get the gains needed, we just have to have people, we're, we're just at that point. And okay, so let's grow the team. And, you know, a year later, you look around, you go, well, this team is twice the size that it was a year ago, um, and costs have gone up accordingly. Um, sales volume is through the roof. That's great. Way outpacing projections. But at the same time, that team are not delivering pound for pound what is expected. Well, why is that the case? Well, you know, you dig in, you figure out, well, their scope expanded, right? And so there's a little bit of mentality of... We're going to add all these different people. They need to be able to do more than "quote unquote" just support, right? So let's let's see if we can have some of those people contribute to sales initiatives that kind of cross over with social media management or something like that. And those those um, 
you know, overlapping workflows can make a lot of sense. In particular, if you're in startup land, you know, I get it. People have to wear a lot of hats. But you turn around and you go, well, here's the deal. You had, I don't remember the number, but let's say it was five agents. And now you've got 10. And your managers looked around saying, but our volume went up 150%. And now my people are also working on email campaigns and they're working on outreach and they're doing some knowledge-based curation. And so they're doing a lot of these other high-value things. Maybe I do have a way to measure those. Maybe we can talk about deflection as something that the team is contributing to and everything else. I've seen that tied to revenue and it can be successful to an extent, but it's no longer quote unquote support and support alone that this team is doing, right? So, but at, at the top level, you just look at the budget, you go, this is how much we're spending and the CSAT maybe was hovering 97% last year. Maybe it's 96% this year. Why are we spending twice as much for what looks like a drop in customer satisfaction and overall customer experience? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard to get that seat at the table to really unpack that and show the whole picture. I think, I think absolutely. I think part of the problem as well, maybe, I'm just thinking while you're talking, maybe part of the problem is also that support is relatively fast moving, I think, compared to some other yeah. parts of the business. And certainly compared to what I would think of as a tr- more traditional CX or customer success role uh, and the associated metrics that go with that and the associated programs that go with that around you know understanding the customer journey and uh, all of those all of those kind of things they're they're slower moving i think in the the metrics in support which just change all the time i i agree um yeah, you tend to see support, you know, on a day to day support is going to have very specific cadence that's very different from an engineering team, from a sales team, from a marketing team. There's a sense of immediacy. You're you're in real time with customers. Even if it's an email, you have a much more immediate turnaround and and you know, it, it's not, well, what's the scope of this project? You know, you're not gonna sit down and go, what's the scope of this ticket? Can I plot it out? You know, you have to get that answered, you have to get yeah. it resolved. Right. And so then you look for those top level metrics and you know, handle time, contact resolution, all that. Great. Um, but it, it is very hard to sort of say, hey, the scope of this team and what they're doing on a day to day basis is going to is going to change very rapidly. And it, I mean, you look at some places like e-commerce where, you know, a platform might decide to roll out a new promotion at the drop of a hat. Suddenly that team's. Mm. You know, their their planned coverage day went out the roof just because a new fifty percent off promotion went out, and and maybe it went out with uh, a wrong coupon code, you know, which was corrected five minutes later, but not before four hundred people tried to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so all those sort of things happen much more in real time. Decisions made further up the chain have an immediate and deep impact, and that can, you know, one rough afternoon can throw off. A week CSAT score by multiple points, and so easily, easily, yeah. <laughs> easily. Any, easily. Any, any support manager will tell you. I, I mean, I yeah. still remember one one of my teams. Legendarily, the, the product team pushed out a, a a a change to a very central part of the checkout process at, at that company's page, um, and it just it was just one of those case studies in in unintentionally bad UX. Everyone thought it looked great. Suddenly, everyone went like, "Oh, now that it's out in the real world, we can see the problem." 
And for the next four years, when I looked at the week over week data, that one week spike stood out. <laughs> and we were growing volume 30% year over year. And still after four years, we did more volume in that one week, thanks to that product rollout than we ever did. Um, and mm-hmm. it's stood as a marker of like, yeah, we got so off base. It took us forever to get out from under that. People were angry with social media. You know, the support team is going to feel that and eat that impact. But if you sit down, look at the quarterly numbers, you know, all that kind of gets smoothed out. But from the C-suite, that might look like support is just not killing it. What's going on down there, right? You know, and it might be exactly. just one or two really bad bumps that throw things off. Um, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That uh, what happens in a day just is, is, is a bump on your graph for a week that shows up like a sore thumb <laughs> for, for a quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and it can just be a few hours of hell, but boy, does, do you have to live with that graph for a really long time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and again, it's the executive level is going to look for, and I understand they're going to look for that quarter over quarter um, view. They're going to look at the annual view and they want to see those numbers uh, smoothing out. And it, it, it is very different in support. You just don't have that same measured cadence. You're going to have to, you're kind of at the whims a little bit of how some of the teams operate, even in the best intention situations, even in the companies that have the best communication. And, you know, I'm not throwing other departments under the bus. I mean, I've worked with teams or the engineers and the product team, which is super atten- uh, attentive to support, always following up, making sure that they were correcting an issue if it happened. It's just, it's just support is the front line. So the hit's going to happen there first. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't always have all the answers either, do you? I mean, you don't necessarily always have the 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 root cause for some of these issues. Sometimes, I mean, it may be that poor release, but other times it's just something just bad days come along, right? And and I right. f- I find that I find that really super frustrating. A to be in the situation where I have to explain that one day sore thumb for 3 months after. <laughs> but but then like when you can't really necessarily get to the root cause of it because it's some kind of outage somewhere else or whatever that has an impact you can sort of draw a loose line but but what can you do sometimes you're like yeah that was just a bad day these things happen yeah 100 um and and so i you know i think kind of to, to drift back to like how does support end up in this in this perspective i mean i think part of it is it <laughs> this, this sounds like Maybe it sounds like uh, sour grapes, but you know it is kind of part of being there on the front line. Is you're going to take the hit both internal and external. I think it's when there's a dip, when there's a downturn, you handle it the best you can. Um, if you know if if the executive leadership have a concern, they're going to look and, and say, "We need to cut some costs. We need to identify low performance if support struggling, or by our definition, we have to get there." So, I, I think coming back around to saying. We talk a lot, I think, as support leaders about how we can better educate senior management, executive management on how support functions. And I, I don't think we figured out how to do that effectively in most cases. Um, mm. I, 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 I talked to a few people here and there that feel like they've got a good rapport going on, but it seems like even there, every every so often, the question comes up like, well, what is the support team really really driving value, you know, are they really, are they really delivering? How can I tie it, you know, every, the cost per ticket to every dollar of revenue in a concrete way. And, Mm -hmm. um, it it feels like it's kind of the eternal challenge. 
Yeah, yeah. That that uh, thing that we were just talking about, the that understanding how you have those conversations is 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 kind of really important because I think everything we were just saying there around um these spikes and the pace of support and the cadence and the influences actually I think can be quite isolating for support and quite isolating for support leadership as well unless you're able to build those bridges and those bridges can you can put a lot of effort into them and as you just said they can stick around for a while and then people start to question again so you've got to keep having those conversations and and keep being able to actually do some gymnastics around how around around how you draw the lines in like ever new ever new and almost creative ways as well right so how many different ways you can have the same conversation that your team contributes uh, to that wider cx yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um, so 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 what do you think is the final part then i mean what's the uh what is the I journey think, we need to make to get from support to CX? I mean, is that really yeah. is that really what we should be doing? Should should we be aiming to consistently be part of the wider CX initiative in a company? Do you think? I think so, and and you know, for all the maybe grumbling, if if it sounds like like that from my end on this side, I do think we've made inroads, you know, in the field significantly. I mean, support is talked about at different levels. It is not purely a cost center, and even if there is sort of a cost center component to the analysis, it is not purely that in a lot of companies. Um, you know, certainly the the startup revolution has has brought support to the forefront, and support people have worked their way up to VP positions and C suite roles, and so it really has changed the game a little bit. Um, but I, I, for me, I do think that that kind of is the journey is to sort of say, you know, the customer experience starts with support. It might end with support. Um, and then I think that the thing to do is to challenge what is the nature of support. And again, some organizations, I think, are really tackling this broadly. Is it just the, the CS team or is it saying everything that we're doing is supporting the customer at some point, whether it's the accounting team trying to figure out you know, our accounts payables and getting our vendors paid on time? Is it our IT team making sure that, you know, our uh, cloud tools are up to speed and people are able to sync up and deliver the product? And so I, I think the more it becomes holistic and the pain points get spread out a bit more and support is seen as an integral part of the overall product delivery process, then I think that does change the game considerably. I mean, if, if support becomes part of like, it's going to cost us X to get this product out the door um, and then to make sure customers come back and can enjoy it. Um, that since sort of decouple that sense of we're just sort of paying X money to answer questions for angry customers or paying X dollars to give refunds back. And, and I think it, it some leaders are surprised. Um, I should say execs are surprised when they hear support managers speak up and say, yeah, I don't think we should be handling manual refunds or I don't think we should be doing some of these processes. You know, Oh, but that's what your support team does. No, 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 no. Those are things we can automate. Those are things we can build tools to do. Like we have smart people that can do more and they can be part of this voice of the customer program and they can contribute towards sales goals and contribute to these other areas. 
And I think when you show how support is already part of that process and wants to be part of that process, you you surprise some people and you also, you know, kind of expand that seat at the table that we keep talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that uh, I like that idea there of just surprising people. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that's a great endpoint. So I, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say there. Thank you very much, Josh. I, as always, I, I love chewing over support cud with you. If that, if I can say that, that <laughs> doesn't sound very good, does it? But uh, uh, all, gr- but it- all good. I, I grew up in the Midwest dairy country, so good for me. Chewing the support card there. Maybe that. Maybe that's a, Maybe that's another series for this podcast this at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been off. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much. I love it. Always. (laughs) That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 106 for the show notes and I'll see you next time.